Do you have an employee with management potential, but you aren't quite sure how to help them in the transition? NRHA's Foundations of Leadership program takes new managers through six key areas of leadership development to make sure they are confident and ready for their new position. Best of all, the program is done completely online, giving your new manager flexibility to complete the course while diving into their new responsibilities. To learn more about this program, just go to nrha.org F-O-L. Welcome back, everybody, to the Taking Care of Business podcast. I am your host, Dan Trottencheck, and uh, uh, we have another Dan as one of our guests today, and, and, and we're welcoming Dan Starr, President and CEO of Do It Best Corp, back to the program. Dan was a uh, guest with us a little while back, but... Um, I do know that since Dan joined us last time, you know, a few things have, have happened in the world and in the industry. And in fact, Dan uh, was scheduled to be one of our keynote presenters at the National Hardware Show back in May. But, uh, but as everybody knows, um, that has, uh, the, the, the live event has certainly uh, changed since then. Um, and and ki- kind of coincidentally enough, we, we were planning um, all of the content for our all-industry conference which takes place at the hardware show. And our theme for this year uh, almost seems like we were looking into a crystal ball because our theme this year was disruptors, industry disruptors. And um, we've had a few of those disruptors uh, uh, kind of announce their presence loud and clear since we planned that. And I'm pleased to say that Dan is still going to be one of our keynote presenters from our virtual all-industry conference, which is going to be taking place in conjunction with the virtual National Hardware Show uh, this fall. Um, But Dan, thank you so much for taking the time to rejoin us here on the program. And, And like I said, Man, it's a little bit different from the last time we talked, and kind of a coincidence that we're we're talk about talking about industry disruption uh, with so much going on. Would you say there's been a little bit of dis- disruption for you guys? Uh, yeah, Dan. <laughs> well, first off, thank you uh, for allowing me to participate in this uh, podcast with you. Uh, it was an honor to do it the first time, and uh, looking forward to doing it today. Looking forward to doing it down the road. Um, and just responding to your intro, first off, yeah, you look like a genius. Uh, here <laughs> yeah, here oh, you yeah. were planning on talking <laughs> about disruptors, and it was so disruptive that you couldn't even hold your disruptive uh, uh, themed uh, the, the discussion. The disruptive theme discussion got disruptive. Yeah, it's great planning on your part. But it is funny. All of us are learning to um, uh, respond and roll and react and, and adjust uh, in your own case, you had first a delay and then and then a right. uh, cancellation, and that, right. as far as our planning, uh, y- you know, we were planning on talking about a number of different issues back in May. Uh, we'll talk about them today, but it's just it's just of a piece with such a bigger picture. You even asked me if I could remember back then. No, right. I I, yeah. I can tell you, I've said this a couple times before that I think the month of March was the longest year of my life. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because yeah. that was the month in which we we kind of looked at this not as a supply chain issue, but we worked through the month of March. At the beginning of the month, it was like, oh yeah, this uh, COVID nineteen, this is going to be a real challenge. People weren't returning uh, in terms of import product. People weren't pr- returning for Chinese New Year. It's going to have a massive gap in the supply chain. It's yeah. going to hit us right at the peak, right around April May timeframe, and we were 
really almost entirely looking at it as a supply, supply chain disruption issue. And it was in that month that everything came forward and hit us as, holy cow, you've got all of this hitting the U.S., the U.S. workforce, supply chain disruption once it gets landed, and everything that goes with it. So yeah, it's it's been it's been an interesting year. I'll say that. Well, and I know uh, you know some of the things I wanted to talk to you about today are still around that theme of disruption. But our, our concept of talking about disruption out at the show and at our conference was that there are certainly different things that come out of disruption. Sometimes disruption it, it can be a horrible thing for an industry or a business. Um, just ask the folks in the, in the restaurant industry or the movie theater, uh, you know, business uh, with what we're seeing. But other times, disruptors can be good or have positive impacts. And and I don't, I, I mean, you know, again, listen, I, I've said this multiple times on my podcast in the last several months is, there, there's enough talk about all the horrible things brought about by COVID and, 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 and uh, you know, we, we're all well aware of that. But it's also changed a lot of things in and around the industry. But, but overall, Dan, let's touch on this for a second. Why is disruption and why can disruption of any sort be good for yeah, our industry? It's a great question. I think, you, I think you're right to say, well, let's lay aside all the uh, other issues that come as a result of COVID. Uh, I think in our industry, we look at, at, at natural disasters or disease and we say, well, nobody wants a hurricane. Nobody wishes for COVID to, to affect our entire economy. Of course not. Um, but it's when you ask that question of, well, that's just an example uh, of yeah. disruption. That's not the whole no, of it. Exactly. That's just an example of it. And so, you know, health and safety is, of course, the most important thing for our teams, for our families. We need to take care of those things. Um, turning aside and saying, well, let's, let's, let's not use that specifically. Let's just look at disruptors generally, which I think was the point of your, of your question. Absolutely. How can it or when is it good? I think I have a, really two responses to that. One is it, I can fall back on a quote that I used to use all the time. Uh, it comes from Jack Welch. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I've thrown this at you before. It may be new to you. But one of his, one of his I think, most impressive quotes was the, the comment that, if the pace of change uh, on the inside of an organization is uh, slower than the pace of change on the outside of the organization, uh, then the end is near. And what I thought was fascinating and important about that quote is, is not, he's not trying to convince you that, <clears throat> oh, change is going to touch you someday. It's a given. It's a given. You ignore it at your peril. The question is not whether or not things are going to change. It's a fact. It's that how quickly are you moving in order to keep pace to remain relevant yeah. as part of that change. And, and I think that's the first part of the answer to that question is making sure that you remain relevant by staying uh, close enough to the pace that, that you can keep up with it. And that's been a very difficult thing right. <laughs> for all of us to sure. do this past year. But that quote came back home to me in so many ways as we were grappling with this. We've, we've in the past, uh, attempted to keep a quicker pace of change. Uh, and in some ways, that was a good instructor. That was a good lesson to learn as we came into this spring, because uh, it, it tested all of us. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think that, you know, as we talked about, there are many disruptors. I mean, just I can certainly think back to my time, your time in the industry, and, and there's lots of things that have kind of reared up. And, and, I, and I think as an industry observer for a quarter century now, I think the industry in, in sometimes is, is very quick to respond to something that's disruptive. In other times, it, it takes a while. I mean, we're still here 25 years after the, you know, kind of growth of big boxes, having retailers talk about, ah, how do we respond to the big boxes? Now, obviously, they're changing, but, but the industry responds in different ways. But, I mean, with COVID, I, I mean, one of the things that I, I and this is probably, I, I don't mean to in any way be sound um, condescending in the way I say it, but I'm so proud of our industry and the way they were faced with this crisis and how quickly they responded to some of the changes. And I mean, that was the independent retailers. Yes. I mean, I think it took the, the national chains a lot longer to be responsive to this disruptor of COVID. And I think they're still, the national chains are still kind of trying to feel it out where independence, man, it was on a dime. You, you know, it's like, okay, we need to do curbside delivery. Three days later, we're doing curbs or curbside pickup. We're doing curbside pickup. Absolutely. And that's, that's just a great lesson in entrepreneurship. We, we, independents have that gift of a decentralized uh, authority to act and act quickly, and they are, they are the closest thing to their customers. Uh, and so, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I think if we're still in the midst of this, this is a crazy thing. We're still in the midst of this, uh, but if if some of the independents out there certainly do a best members, but others as well. If they have an opportunity to just take a time out, occasionally I think you need to do that uh, for, the, for your own benefit, but certainly that of your team. Uh, and I know that they're working on this, but in the, in the heads down survival mode, it's very difficult to kind of call a time out and rally around and support them and just say, you guys have done amazing work. Uh, our members have just done a phenomenal job. So have, so have their teams. Um, and, I'd, and I have to say, can I... Can I give a commercial message? Can oh, I do sure. that on your absolutely, podcast? Absolutely. We'll just send the bill. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so not just, I got. I just can't let the opportunity pass. It's not just our members who have done a phenomenal job. I'll give you an example. In the, at the height of COVID, um, in, in our distribution centers, uh, we were moving the equivalent of the entire value of a warehouse through the building in three days. Three days of business. Um, and, and I just, I, I cannot let time pass without going back to all of our teams in our distribution centers and saying these people are absolutely yeah. incredible. They came in during the height of all that COVID. Right. Um, we, we did our best to try to keep them safe. They did a phenomenal job working. They worked overtime. They worked every weekend for months on end, trying to not only push that product out, but then we had to ask them to stick around and try to refill all those shelves. It's just, I cannot thank them uh, enough for the great work that they did. Well, and, and I know even with some frustrations, um, you, you know, in the, in the industry about supply chain and getting mm -hmm. products and all that, I have heard a great deal of appreciation from the retailers also about, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, these essential heroes. Let's not forget about the people in the warehouses and the truck drivers and, and people unloading, loading trucks, refilling those shelves. I, I mean, it's... Um, they answered the call. Yeah. They certainly and answered mean, the call. And, it, and you're right. I mean, that is the thing that's keeping all of us awake right now is every single day, almost every hour of the day, it is a focused concentration on trying to improve elements of supply chain 
uh, trying to work with manufacturers, trying to work at every stage uh, to improve those, those, those products on shelves. We've got a lot of holes across the entire industry, and, and we're scrambling. Um, so it's a good problem to have, I suppose. It doesn't feel good. Well, but I think it's also one of those times when 10 years down the road, you know, I think we can look back and when you sort through, um, and we're certainly not going to turn this into a political program, but when you sort through the noise uh, uh, of everything, I think you look at some of some of the industries, whether it's healthcare, whether it's, uh, I mean, distribution, all of these things where, you know, we all remember with a certain degree of, of reverence the, 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 the efforts that were marshaled during World War II, the production that was ramped up and how everybody threw in and committed. And I think w w through the kind of lens of history, we're going to look at this time in a lot of ways and say, you know, now that we're past the negativity and all the noise, this was a, will have been a proud moment for a lot of these areas that, that did come together and rise to the occasion. All true. Yeah. Dan, I cannot wait to bore my grandchildren with stories of yeah, this year. Absolutely. <laughs> my future grand. I don't have any. My future grandchildren. My, my daughter who got married last year, she brought bought some artwork that they've done in our community of people wearing masks by different artists. And she <laughs> bought it and she said, well, the reason I got this, Dad, is, is in... in, in, in you know, a few years when I have a kid and they're going to, uh, and they're going to be discussing the great, uh, you know, uh, pandemic uh, of 2020, she can take these to class and do them at her show and tell. And I'm like, well, that's probably going to be true. You know? I, I hope that we return to a world where masks are unusual so yes, she can do that. Absolutely. Uh, that'd be nice. Well, well, speaking of that, you know, and we'll move on from, from strictly COVID discussion, but one point I wanted to get to here is a little while back on one of my podcasts, I had a guest, uh, a fellow I've known for a while, and, and you may be familiar with Fred Miller, um, who works uh, with a, 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 an organization called Consumer Specialists. And Fred, for his whole career, has been a data guy and an analyst. And they did some research about COVID and the way consumers are reacting to COVID. And I'm going to paraphrase Fred here. But one of the things he said when they released their most recent study is that he feels, after looking at some of the research, that COVID may be the single biggest impact on consumer behavior that we have seen in our lifetimes. Yeah. And, and obviously, there's, there, aside from looking at data, there is no crystal ball. But what do you, what do you think about that? How are consumers going to behave differently, shop differently? Yeah. We're already seeing some of that. I we guess. are already seeing some of that. It, it, is it is it going to become a new habit, I think, is my question. of, And he may well be right. This may be a seminal event that changes dramatically uh, and, and permanently a lot of consumer behavior. It's interesting because I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a viewpoint that comes from a lot of the members that I have talked to uh, of Do It Best. But, you know, uh, midway through COVID, you're dealing with all these things that, you know, maybe one of the first reactions was uh, an, a, a spike on things that were, uh, you mentioned curbside. Uh, buy online, pick up in store, or just home right. delivery, and all those other things. You know, people had a reason to stay in and, and and conduct retail in a different way. I think one of the curious aspects of that that I've observed is that in the wake of that, the brand promise that Amazon had originally kind of fell apart. They were running out on their delivery times, and suddenly that brand promise was broken. And it had the, the curious effect that uh, a lot of people were redirected out. And I think that Buy Local really benefited right. from all oh, that. Oh, absolutely. And, and as you said, it wasn't just that Amazon's brand promise fell apart. What you said was 
all these entrepreneurs started really picking up and really responding immediately. In they surged forward as Amazon was being pushed backward. Suddenly, and this is the part where I, I get a lot of feedback from our members, they have told me, many, many have told me, almost universally, I've seen a lot of new faces come in yeah. over the course of this, right. and I don't think I'm going to lose them. And I think what they mean by that is they were able to deliver on a brand promise in the midst of that crisis and create an impression of being served well, being served very close to their home, being served exceptionally in terms of a safe environment, didn't have to go to a big place with a big crowd. And I, I, our members are bullish that they're going to be able to retain a lot of uh, a lot of that new customer base. Goes back to my point: you may have just created a brand new habit that's going to be hard yeah. to break. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of that stickiness, will it stick around post COVID? Hey, if they've got new routines developed uh, and they've got new shopping experiences that have been very satisfactory for them, or out, or just beyond satisfactory, exceptional. I think they'll continue. Well, and I think so often we've heard, and I'm sure if you've heard from, from independent retailers in the industry, all I want is a shot. I want to get the customers in my store yeah. once that aren't custom so I can show them what we can do. And, and to your uh, statement, I think this has provided that shot in a lot of ways. But I also think that right now, whether it's, you know, a lot of the things, I mean, COVID is one thing that we've seen. We've seen some of the issues with the, the, the civil unrest. And, and, and I think a lot of those issues have really brought to the forefront the impact that locally owned businesses have on their communities. I mean, particularly, you know, when people start thinking about my gosh, the, the horrible fate that some of the restaurants and service industries are yeah. suffering. And it really resonates with them. If, if these businesses don't get, if I don't patronize them, they will go away and I don't want that. And so that translates to the local hardware store, the local bookstore. And so again, to your point, whether or not that sticks beyond this, I think, I think our rear view mirror, you know, as a society seems to be not quite as, as, as uh, far reaching as it used to right. be. So sometimes right. something happens that it's over that everybody just moves on. But yeah, uh, I mean, we'll see. The, yeah. the story's still being written, so we'll see. Yeah. What gives me hope, though, is that um, it's not just about opportunity. Uh, it's not just about, uh, okay, people, people were redirected in some ways. It's that we have so many independents who responded to that call yeah. by delivering something mm -hmm. exceptional. Um, anybody, you know, you've heard the saying, turkeys can fly in, in, a, in a tornado. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it, it, when, when things are really pushing you, I, I suppose you can look good, but I, I, I truly believe that uh, we had execution out there and that it will change some behaviors because it was so positive, because they answered the call in the right way. Yeah, and, and that's a big part of it. You know, I, I want to move on a little bit from COVID. I mean, sure. we've, you know, we could certainly we could spend the next hour sitting here talking about COVID relating related disruption. And that's obviously everybody's aware of the impact that, that COVID is having on all our lives and and the industry. But but one thing that's important to note is is even during these unprecedented um, situations that we're seeing today, business keeps chugging along. I mean, business, everybody says, you know, yeah, we got to deal with this, but we also have a strategic plan. We also yes. have a future that there's going, we have to operate for that that kind of post-COVID world that will eventually get here. Yeah. Um, so, so let's talk about that for a second. And let's talk about the concept of how does a company like Do It Best 
look forward and say, okay, right now we're waist deep in, in, in dealing with, with the issues at hand, but we've got to figure out ways to disrupt. We've got to figure out ways to challenge the status quo. So, so how does Do It Best do that? And, and how are you guys kind of trying to position yourselves to do that moving forward? Yeah, uh, so part of that is, well, what is that long-term picture? What is mm -hmm. that long-term objective? We've, we've said that we're committed to driving growth uh, and strengthening a, our position as a first and best choice in independent home improvement. That's kind of our, what, what's, that ten, what's that vision? What keeps you going uh, to that 10-year uh, destination? That's what strategic planning, in my mind, is all about, is trying to move towards an ultimate destination that's in some ways never, never fulfilled, but you're moving along the path to get there. Um, so we want to fuel growth uh, in ways that drive sales not only today, but position us in the future for continued growth. And you can, you can do that uh, a lot of different ways. Of course, uh, a, a critical way for us is to turn inward and focus on improving the fundamentals. At heart, we are a wholesale distributor, a uh, provider of uh, products, a provider of services to assisted retail. We can deliver on that by improving every bit of how we do that, every bump along the way. Um, and it's been interesting. Uh, <laughs> that was tested this year, <laughs> <laughs> even as we try to build, yeah. you know, the, the backbone of what that's going to look like for the next generation. We're stressing it out uh, today. It's, it's a tough juggling act, but that's part of it is building on the fundamentals. And then the other is just making sure that we're preparing to innovate. We've got to be agile. We have to innovate. We have to grow and expand businesses. And we've got to be positioned to capitalize on, on those opportunities uh, right. that present themselves to us. What, what, in kind of a, a, a getting a little bit more granular, a little bit more specific, the industry's changing. How do you guys, I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, we want to focus on fundamentals and so on, but, but how, how, what are specifically some of the ways that you guys kind of see uh, uh, do it best uh, changing and evolving and, and, and taking advantage of some of the opportunities that are out there. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a real specific example. Um, if, if I can start, though, by, by doing a little bit of backstory. Sure. I'll try not to make it too long. This podcast doesn't last forever, right? <laughs> yes. It's, so, it's, so, it's our six-hour marathon <laughs> podcast. But I think, I think part of it is first starting with the idea of, well, why is growth so critical? It, it's not just a sign of health for any, for any organization. You're either growing or you're dying. Beyond that, I think you got to look at our industry. Uh, and, and I think we've seen, you mentioned the last 25 years. Well, what's happened in the last 25 years in independence in our industry? We've, of course, we've seen some, uh, some independence growing, but by and large, the sheer number of independents within our industry has been in a state of decline. Yes. I think we have to recognize that. You gotta know where you stand. If you're gonna, if you're gonna have a, a realistic view of the future, you gotta know where you stand. You can't and that's a concern. it doesn't exist. It exists, yeah. that's exactly right. Um, I would add to that, I, I think more is coming. Um, I'm not trying to be uh, pessimistic. In, in fact, I want to be realistic. You look at our industry, and I believe that we have uh, succession issues that are affecting all of us. It's not a do-it-best issue. No, it's an industry issue. It's an industry yes. issue, and we need more than one strategy. It's not, oh, gosh, golly, we're going to look for that silver bullet somewhere. No. We need uh, a lot of strategies to try to manage that effectively and continue to grow in the face of that kind of concern. And that's something that is a long-term strategic uh, effort. So I, I feel like I have to start there. We have a board comprised entirely of member owners of Do It Best. And that is part of the long-term discussion is working with them. They see that uh, critical issue 
and they are fully invested in the long-term planning and say, how do we manage that the right way, and how do we continue to grow in the face of those kinds of challenges? Right. So we focused on a number of different fronts, uh, which I, I, I think we can claim some success on. Our new member growth. Uh, absolutely critical that we get a lot of new members uh, coming aboard uh, a healthy organization, uh, a greater share of wallet from our existing members. Uh, and then I, I would say new members in the sense of new locations. How can, how can we help our members continue to grow, expand, add locations? And we have got to have a host uh, of, of tools that enable us to do that and do that well. And it's on that last point that I, I mentioned, I think, about an hour and a half ago that I was going to get to the point. I got, <laughs> yeah, got something to yeah. share with you. Yeah. But <laughs> long trip around the barn, as they say in, in Indiana. But, um, but it's, it's, it's on that last point that I want to announce something. And it's funny, Dan, I'm, I'm going to go back to our conversation initially. I was planning on, on talking about this in right. May. Yeah. You and I were going to talk at the hardware show. I was going to talk <laughs> yeah. about this particular issue that okay. I'm going to share with you. I was going to talk about it in May. Um, and, and that is that uh, uh, one of those tools, we entered into a joint venture with Nation's Best Holdings. Right. That's okay. a do-it-best member owner. Uh, that was part of what I wanted to announce uh, to, the, to the wider industry yeah. uh, back in May. But events kind of precluded us from Some doing things that. things came up. It, yeah. Well, and, <laughs> yeah. and it's not just that the hardware show was delayed and then, and then canceled. I just, timing is kind of an important issue for something like that. We had, we had, it's just, <laughs> we had other things that we were yeah, working on. Can I just say that? Yeah, a couple other things on your plate, sure. And, and I really don't mean us. We could have done that. I mean our, our, our members and, and folks who are uh, in the industry. I think May was a very, very challenging month and a, a good month in many ways. But they didn't really have time to evaluate, look at, consider. Sure. Uh, and, and in some ways, they're still very, very busy, of course. Uh, but I, I look at our past and say, well, you know, it could have been better in terms of timing. I would have liked to announce that back in May. But I'm glad that I have a chance to sit down with you today sure. and, uh, and share that news. Well, I, I think to kind of echo what you're seeing and, and our numbers, I mean, NRHA, we've been doing uh, industry research, our cost of doing business study, our market measure report, I mean, for over 100 years, looking mm. at the industry, getting feedback. And, and what we see is distinctly supports the statements you make. We see fewer retail locations being owned by a, a, a smaller group of owners, if yeah. that makes sense. Is yeah. that there, so, so the good news, bad news of that seems to be that you have a lot of aggressive owners who are want to grow their business. Right. And so as, you know, and, and, and you stated it well, the, the issue of succession is definitely an industry-wide issue, and it's multifaceted. It's, it is. is there's, there's a lot of issues that surround <laughs> that. Uh, but but one of them is you have a viable business. The owner is is at retirement age. They want to get out of the business. Maybe their kids are are you know everything's great. They're doctors and engineers and attorneys, and they say thanks, mom and dad. I, I mean, I like the hardware business, but I, I have my own career. Right. What what do they do? What you know, alternatives that do they have? And, yeah. and, and, and we've certainly seen this, where there are viable businesses out there that just say, you know what, I guess we'll just kind of close up the doors, and 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 you know, and, and so you've started to see more solutions kind of come about to how do we help solve that. So, so could you tell us a little bit kind of about 
you guys approach to that and, and talk to us a little bit about that kind of relationship with, with Nations Best sure. and sure. how that kind of fits into this picture. Sure. So I, I, I mentioned that they're a member owner right. and, um, and, and really their first acquisition was last fall, the September timeframe, uh, and it was a, a single member location uh, acquisition. So not really a whole lot to announce there. I don't. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've talked a little bit about it, yeah. But but when you know the 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 year kind of rolled around, we got into 2020, and they had a couple more acquisitions. This would have been in the uh, uh, late February, early March kind of time frame, and after. Um, and and right now they stand at uh, 10 businesses across uh, three states, uh, primarily concentrated in Texas. Uh, but they are in aggressive acquisition and operation mode. This is not about uh, this is not a this is not a flip it strategy. This yeah. is a buy hold. Find those uh, great operators, uh, find those great businesses who are in want of a solution, um, and uh, and and help them. I, I think part of the goal there is not only to retain uh, the business that we have with our members as sort of a de defensive strategy to some of those sure. dynamics, uh, but I, I think just as well there's an offensive strategy there too, which is. Uh, for folks that aren't affiliated with Do It Best right now, they have the ability to go out and acquire and bring them into uh, into the fold. So it, it takes what is a bit of a threat, and and hopefully, uh, along with a, as I mentioned, along with a lot of other strategies, right. try to turn that into more of an opportunity than it is a threat. Uh, we know that it's happening. Well, what can we do to 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 make that a positive for both Do It Best Corp and all of our members? That's the goal. And you mentioned kind of from a defensive strategy, and obviously there's, there's, as you said, both sides of kind of that equation. Now, there are other organizations that, that do, you know, that are, that are in this kind of business, if you will. Um, you know, on the lumber side, there's, there's organizations out there, certainly in the hardware side, you bet. there's organizations out there. And the interesting thing for me as an observer is everybody kind of goes about what they're doing in a little bit different way. So, yeah. so how is, uh, you know, how is Nations Best and Do It Best's involvement with that kind of different from what we've seen from, and I, I don't want to name names, but some of the other companies that are out there that, that, that are, you know, trying to fulfill that, those same kind of goals. Yeah. And they are, they are, they, they run across the spectrum, I think. Um, some of the ones I'm familiar with, they're operated as wholly owned subsidiaries of a wholesale distribution entity. Okay. Um, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's, a, that's a choice and that's a direction to go. I don't think that's ours. I don't think that fits us or our approach very well. Our, ours is uh, we're a members first co-op. Okay. Uh, we need to be able to support all of our members and, and not have that... Um, uh, I don't, we don't want to see divided loyalties because we're operating retail. Um, so it, it, as I look at it, it was really important uh, that we uh, do this in a way that supports member growth. Uh, and that's the goal. And like I said, we've got a number of strategies. This is, this is just one outcome mm -hmm. of that. But we know, our, we know who we are. We know our strengths. Uh, we believe we're a world-class uh, distributor of hard lines, lumber, building materials, and a, and a key partner for retail programs. To, to go down a road, I, I can't profess. Uh, we have we have a, a strong understanding of how to partner with folks in retail operations, but I can't say that retail operations is what I have done. And I think it's critical to find folks who have demonstrated success, put them in positions uh, where they can continue to do what they do best as a member. And and that's why it's not a wholly owned subsidiary. It's 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 a it's a minority interest. Our our interest would be. 
a 25% interest uh, in, in that nation's best entity. But our partner, who's a majority owner, who is the CEO, who is a proven entrepreneur, that's who you want leading an organization with their own independence intact. That's how we view that, that part of the world is you, you, you're going to do a better job of ensuring success for retail operations if someone who has skin in the game is running that and they have a proven track record. It's also important for us to say that is one strategy and we are working with all of our members and we're not doing any favors or special things for yeah. anyone. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Oh, it, that's a key to keeping independence where it needs to be. Well, let's talk for a second about the partner. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, um, you, you know, obviously at this point, it's 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 no secret the individual that who's who's kind of running uh, Nation's Best. But uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, you know working with Chris and sure. and and, uh, and what he brings to the table sure. and kind of why that 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 seemed to be the partnership to kind of start this effort. With. Yeah. So for those who don't know, for those who don't know, uh, Chris Miller is the CEO of Nation's Best Holdings. Uh, Chris has been in our inter- industry a long time. He was actually. Uh, one of your young retailers of the year, um, and um, he led, he was the president of Parker's Building Supply of Texas, oversaw their growth, uh, oversaw not just operations, but their acquisitions. So they spread across not only Texas, but California as well. Um, after they were acquired, Chris continued to work uh, there, and, and it was a little while ago that he left that role, really desiring to come, I don't want to speak on behalf of him, but desiring to come back into the industry uh, for the heart of, of, of that right. retail operations and, and acquisition. And his operations uh, straddle both uh, hard lines, uh, you know, retail hardware, as well as lumber and building materials. So he kind of does the, the full breadth. A little bit kind of more about, um, I want to touch on this a little bit more about kind of how this whole idea got started. If you could talk me through a little bit about, okay, you guys kind of saw this as an issue. Chris is coming back in the mm-hmm. industry. He's doing what he's doing. What was the process of kind of saying, this is something we want to kind of kind of get involved in together and a little bit deeper than just maybe just, you know, acting as a distributor to him? Well, we have a long history with him. Yeah. So so that's part of it is, is uh, you know, in his role at Parker's for so many years, we of course knew who he was and, and knew what his aspirations were. Um, and, you know, timing is everything. Here we were uh, working with a board of our, of our members uh, in, a, in a capacity where we're talking about the need for strategic long-term growth. And you kind of see what's going on out there in the industry. What can we do uh, to help our members? Uh, so part of it is, as you said, to preserve legacy. Part of it is to provide a solution. It may not be a fit for everybody. Uh, but we need to be able to provide a solution uh, that's a potential for some of our members who are looking uh, to what is that next generation. Uh, Chris, I think he's going to look at that and say, well, it was just good timing because also my goals were to not only grow that business, but in a way where I'm finding strong, independent, uh, well-run organizations, strong management. It's not about dismantling that. It's about preserving local operations yeah, doing some, some back-end consolidation on some of the key, you know, IT and other things like that. But it's about preserving that legacy. So that's where it became such a key. We have so many uh, folks in our industry, uh, so many members, at least of Do a Best, that have spent a, leg- a, 
their entire lives, and sometimes multi-generational, right? Two, three, four generations, building their brand, and it becomes so wedded to who they are, their family, uh, and, and it is uh, it is a difficult issue, you know, yeah, sure. to 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 find how do I preserve that legacy in the right way. Really think that this provides a great opportunity for them to be able to evaluate that and to do that in a way that respects their historical uh, legacy of, of of the family that built the business in the first place. All that came together in a in a, a relatively short period of time, but it was really Dan. It was just great timing because of that confluence of events. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Chris was looking for a partner, and we were looking for a way to make that strategy real. Right. Why do you think it is? And we've kind of touched on this, but but it's just interesting to see go back the last three to five years, or, or you know, some, sometimes I get lost when I start thinking about past uh, how many years it's been. But why is it that this kind of concept is resonating right now in the marketplace? And why is it now like the right time, do you think, for Do It Best to be to be going into this kind of thing? Well, um, I, I'm, I think it's a lot of the things that we've already talked about. That ability to, to recognize what's going on within our industry, our, our ability to play offense and defense as we try to manage through that, right. uh, achieve our growth, but retain the, the quality business that we have. It's, it's good for our members. I think it's also just good for Do It Best. Um, as we grow, and as we grow on a number of, uh, of those uh, strategies, strengthens our buying power, strengthens our positions, strengthens really what we can deliver to all of our members. And then, you know, kind of to complete that circle, it goes right back to how do we find the ways to invest in the future uh, on, the, on the fundamentals, yeah. the core of what we do? Yeah. How do we find growth that helps us sustain and be relevant in the next generation to provide, again, world-class distribution? That becomes, I think, uh, the complete end of that, of that circle, bringing you back to who we are at heart. Yeah. Yeah. I know one of the things that, you know, playing in some ways devil's advocate for, for, for retailers that are listening to this that might be wondering or thinking, you know, okay, so 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 Do It Best is, is working with Nations Best and Nations Best is looking to grow and do all these things. Um, d does that mean that there's going to be any kind of difference or are they going to support my growth individually outside of kind of, uh, you know, the, the, this other kind of business venture? Yeah, I, I mean, to me, that's that that becomes a very critical question because you've got the rest of the folks who could look at this. And as and as member owners, they can look at this as both opportunity because there might be a path to succession right. available to them. Uh, but what does that mean in the what does that mean today? Right. I'm not I'm not in the midst of succession. What does that mean today? Uh, I I think it's important, and and that goes back to structure. Um, we need to be able to execute on support for the success of all of our members, all of them, treating them the same. Uh, that's the promise of what a co-op is supposed to be, uh, and that's critical for us to be able to do that. So. That's kind of why I stress the idea that those the, the growth that we support for members that are interested in growing, it it, it comes in many many different uh, to many different ways. We got lots of different tools to be able to support that. We have historically done things that support members like dating and inventory. For those who found that that's where I want your help, yeah. uh, we've done loans for our members before. <laughs> yeah. We've we've kind of acted in that banking capacity, and we still do. We've given them access to preference stock to be able to build out locations or expand and remodel. 
uh, and other creative solutions. I would just look at this as one more creative solution. All of those, it, it, to me, are really interesting in a couple of respects. They all have at their heart uh, the goal of helping members grow, member-led growth. Mm -hmm. All of them were developed in many ways with um, the engagement of our board of directors. I, I can pick several of those and say the forefront of that was really the growth plans that we had at a board level sure. and figuring out how can we support that in the right way. What would be what would be important to deliver to members and having a cross section of the of the community available there to work through those issues is enormously beneficial. But we're going to continue to sort out and find new ways to innovate to support the growth of our members. We just have to. Growth is, is just not an option. We've got to be able to successfully grow um, year in, year in, year out. And, and I would say that just because there is that kind of relationship uh, with nations, that doesn't preclude us from sure. doing anything. doesn't preclude, prevent, or, in, or impair our ability to support members in lots of different ways. Well, and it kind of brings our conversation in some ways full circle because we started talking about the agility and the uh, ability to be nimble that independent retailers were able to rely on to help serve during this biggest yeah. disruptor. Yeah. And so what you're talking about is very similar to that is that, listen, we're, we're, we have a number of ways we can respond to changes in the industry. This is one of the paths we've, we're choosing. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Um, and I'll tease a little bit because, you know, as one of those kind of crazy things that is that has worked out in a lot of ways is, is uh, in next month's issue of Hardware Retailing, we are featuring a, a nice article with uh, with Chris Miller where he's talking to us a little bit about Nation's Best. But I'll ask you ahead of that, yeah. um, is Nation's Best actively looking for acquisitions right now? Could you share any with us? Or <laughs> Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think that's a great question for Chris, but I, I know generally that, yeah, absolutely, they're an Acquisition mode. That's that's why that's why they were formed. Um, and and it, 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 to me, it's it's responsive to you know. It's it's not about growth for growth's sake. There, it's about you know you've got this issue affecting our industry. There's more opportunity than ever before out there for those who are interested in growth. Uh, that's not just for that's not just for nation's best. That's for all folks who are independents. So opportunities for growth are plentiful. I believe, uh, and growing more so with, with every year. I, I think the next five to 10 years, we're going to continue to see that kind of um, uh, turnover within the industry and opportunity for growth um, really making itself known. So that's part of it. I know he's interested in growth. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. I would also stress He's not alone. I, we've got a lot of members yeah. uh, who are interested in growth, and we want to be able to partner with all of them to help them succeed down that path. Well, and hopefully, you know, one of the positive offshoots from what we've seen, is, as we talked about earlier, is, is business in this industry, sales in this industry, have hit really some record numbers mm -hmm. over the last year. And, and uh and so hopefully some of those retailers who have, who have been aggressive and who have been able to manage expenses are going to have the opportunity to translate some of those increased sales and increased profits into growth opportunities. And, and, and so, so in a lot of ways, this could be an encouraging time for retailers to start thinking about how do I turn what started as this big negative for our society but, but has had some positive impact on business, how do I turn that into Kind of a long-term success. Absolutely, I think that's exactly right, and that's what they're. That's what they. That's what they live to do. I. I, I give so much credit to uh, the folks who are in the 
independent hardware, lumber and building material, home center industry, they are absolutely consumed with serving their communities to the best of their ability. So they're responding to COVID, not out of a sense of selfish pride, but out of a sense of invested community supporter. Um, and there's just so many stories. It's a great time to be a publisher. Yeah. <laughs> you've, got, you've got more than your fair share of local heroes doing amazing Absolutely. things to support their communities. Absolutely. Um, a lot of great stories. Yeah. 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 Well, speaking of uh, of good good to great stories, is uh, we we appreciate and we started our whole discussion today that you were scheduled to be our uh, one of our keynotes uh, for the All Industry Conference back in May. Um, we're still going to be doing the All Industry Conference in a virtual way, tied together with the National Hardware Show's virtual conference. And you have kindly agreed to reschedule and still deliver a keynote for us, where we're going to be talking about d disruptors and disruption. And I'm sure by October, when this event takes place, the aliens will have landed and dogs <laughs> and cats will be living together. And we'll look and back <laughs> on this and we'll go, how in the world did we think uh, things were settling down? Yeah, exactly. I, chances are we're going to look like um, that. So can you give us a preview? view of maybe some of the other discussion we might talk about, leadership and, and disruption and how a company goes about that? Yeah, well, I'll give you just a couple thoughts. Um, I, I think it, shame on us if we don't retain some of the lessons learned as we've gone through this process. It's been very revealing. We've had people step up in so many different ways. Um, and as an organization, I think there were a lot of lessons learned as we went through this. And I'll, I'll give you a couple that, that uh, I want to be able personally to try to retain, and that is um, when you're dealing with disruption, uh, spend the time to define the problem first. I can't tell you how many, how many times <laughs> I might have found myself in a meeting where we're talking about an issue and we were just looking at it so differently. And, I, you know, you need to say, hey, wait a minute, stop. Let's, let's make sure we're all focused on the right problem here before we go trying to solve it. Let's really clearly state what we're after and why we're meeting here today. And let's make it quick, by the way. You know, the other thing I, I, I think that comes out of this that I want to retain is uh, you mentioned the word agility several times. Part of that agility is getting a good feel for how and when you become decisive about a particular issue that you're managing through, right? Uh, if you have the luxury of sitting back and waiting until you have 100% of all the available information in order to make an effective decision, good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. You're probably the only one. <laughs> at least for me yeah. we were things were moving so quickly in the course of this disruption that it seemed like that that had to come earlier and earlier maybe in the and I just use this for illustration maybe in the past you felt like you needed an 85 percent 90 percent confidence level I think that came down for us it did for yeah. me it did personally 75 percent and and this is where I think entrepreneurs are so gifted they have been they have seen the experience in so many different ways and they are able to be decisive might refer to it as a gut reaction or something yeah. like that with that if you wait around for all the available information you may find that some of the first bits are already gone you have a limited window to act that was what that was one of the things that impressed me about our decision making in the course of this pandemic you're never going to be completely right let it go you're going to be mostly right uh, and you need to be decisive at times. And that, to me, was another lesson that came out of this. Don't wait around for perfect. You need to be able to act quickly uh, when you have member need that is expressing itself. You, can't, you just can't wait. You need to move quickly. So those are, those are just a couple 
sort of lessons from the pandemic that I that I think we've learned. Really good points. It reminds me of uh, when I started my career as a newspaper reporter. You remember newspapers, but those were th- <laughs> vaguely <laughs> vaguely remember those, yeah. And one of my first editors, and I, I I try and tell this to people I've worked with since then. You know, at that that point, you're working with you know deadlines, matter of hours to do something. And her point was, we do the best job we can do, and we get it done on time, and then we move on to the next yeah. issue. Yeah, you know, and and that's really what retailers are facing today. Is like. You can't go through the same process of saying, "Well, let's let's vet this with our managers, then we'll sit down and we'll chew on it for a while, and then we'll then we'll bring it to some other people, maybe test drive it for a little bit." I mean, they've really found themselves in a position where I've got to have some more confidence in making decisions and going forward with it. I do, yeah. And 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 the stakes are high. You've got you've got uh, your employees uh, that and the the labor concerns that you have. The other thing that really produced it, pronounced itself very very strongly was the potential exposure within social media, oh, right? A whiff, absolutely, a whiff yeah. of criticism because you do something wrong and it's spotlighted and published and then repeated. Uh, our members are operating in a very, very critical time frame where their reputations are at stake. And, and I've talked with a number that have, have dealt with you know, in the midst of this pandemic, some really unfair behavior from a consumer standpoint. Yes, uh, that's absolutely. a concern too. Absolutely, and, and we and we've certainly seen that. But but again, an interesting kind of preview to some of the discussions because I'd imagine when we get together for the October uh, uh, presentation, it's probably going to be different than what it would have been if we were talking in May. So let's uh, plan on that. So absolutely. <laughs> well, Dan, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us about everything that's going on these days with with, with Do It Best and, and sharing what, uh, what what the company's vision is. Is, uh, I always appreciate you sitting down with us and, and, and giving us a candid look inside what's going on. So you thank bet. you. You bet. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate the time. Absolutely. I just wanted to make sure everybody listening knows that if you're an independent home improvement retailer in the United States or Canada, you're already a member of the North American Retail Hardware Association. And so that means if you're a hardware store, home center, or lumberyard and you're independently owned, you're already a member of NRHA. And the NRHA has been in existence since 1900 and serves its members in a variety of ways, from Hardware Retailing Magazine and our two podcast series to exclusive research and events, the association is here to help you become better and more profitable business owners. So we encourage you to make sure you take advantage of the services that are available to you that can help you better compete. To learn more about what NRHA does for you, make sure you visit us at www.nrha.org. Thank you.